Bogey and Trumpa, the unofficial official podcast. And this is your host, Aureliano Nava. Just a few words on the purpose for this podcast station. If you are already familiar with the teachings of Chogyam Trumpa or are a student of Chogyam Trumpa, then you already know the value of his teachings. If you are not familiar with Chogyam Trumpa, I'd like to share with you that as far as understanding ourselves, as far as knowing who we are fundamentally, as far as understanding what it is that we should be doing when we practice meditation and the understanding that comes with that, the, the view. There are few in our present era that speak to us so directly, so clearly, and this makes Chogyam Trungpa valuable and worth sharing, and that's precisely what I'd like to do with this podcast channel. I'd like to share with you that I am not a spokesperson for the Shambhala community. I have not been authorized nor empowered in any way to share the teachings of Chogyam Trungpa with you. I did meet Chogyam Trungpa and benefited from his instruction and his teachings, and I am as grateful as anybody else that uh, also met him and benefited from his teachings and instructions, and I am as deeply appreciative of having done so as uh, anybody else. Part of the idea behind this podcast station came from this Facebook page that I joined a few months back, Choyam Trumpa Rinpoche, a tribute, and it's managed by Richard Helbrun, together with a few other contributors, and Richard for many years now shares daily excerpts from Chogyam Trumpa's writings. I find myself, when I log on to Facebook, it's one of the first places I go to, and it's uh, a daily reminder of what is important. So I'd like to thank Richard for providing part of the inspiration behind this. Today's excerpt was taken from one of his posts on nuisance, that's what I'll be talking about a little bit later when I shut up and I get to the main point of today's excerpt. I would also like to share with you that if you are looking for a thorough and comprehensive, even profound elucidation of these teachings, well, you're not going to get that here. This is not the place and this is definitely not the person that is going to provide that for you. If, on the other hand, you're looking for, uh, well, an example, perhaps, of what these teachings have done to an average person with average qualities of understanding and whose meditation commitment and practice has very much slacked over the years, then you will definitely get that here. And if, uh, if as a consequence of that, somehow it inspires you, well then, you know what? That's the purpose for this podcast. Brief word of caution for some of you that <coughs> might uh, approach these teachings from an orthodox perspective and uh, might even have a, an unquestioning reverence towards them. Some of what I could say might cross lines for you. 
I'm not talking about being dis- disrespectful. That's not what I'm referring to. It brings to mind uh, when I was um, uh, an altar boy, I, I was raised Catholic, and at the age of eight, nine, ten years old, I would sit behind the altar and listen to the priest talk, and uh, when the priest used to say something that was just too uh, much to believe, I used to say to myself clearly, bullshit, how can that be? I ain't going to buy that. That's ridiculous. You know, certain things, you just don't outgrow. Okay, just one more thing, I promise. This is under the category of it should be said, should be taken care of, so that we move forward and start focusing on today's subject, on nuisance, all those irritants, all those annoyances in your meditation practice, that if it weren't for them, your meditation practice would be perfect, it would be calm, tranquil, but because of those uh, annoyances and irritations that disrupt your practice, your practice is not what it should be. So, Jogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, his lifestyle for many is an obstacle to their reading Chogyam Trungpa and learning from his valuable teachings. Uh, this is uh, troublesome, and I have an idea that uh, we'll put all this behind us once and for all. As a Mexican, I'm going to culturally appropriate Shogun Trumpa Rinpoche and make him into a Mexican national. Well, when you think about it and reflect a little bit on it, it makes a whole lot of sense. Post-mortem, we could make Chogun Trumpa into a Mexican national. And the beauty behind this is that from here on, any time the controversy of Chogun Trumpa keeps on coming up, people could very easily just point to and say, well, what did you expect? He was a Mexican. And that is why womanizing and drinking came easy for him. And as far as the Sakyan Mipam is concerned, Chogyam Trumpa's son, well, he may not want to become a Mexican at this point, but uh, you never know. Okay, enough about that. Glad I got that out of the way. And now to focus on the excerpt that focuses on nuisance. So this excerpt was taken from um, Mindfulness in Action in the Collected Works of Chogyam Trumpa, Volume 10. Eventually we discover that we are the nuisance. We begin to see ourselves being a nuisance to ourselves when we uncover all kinds of thought problems, emotional hangups, and physical problems in meditation. Before we work with anyone else, we have to deal with being a nuisance to ourselves. We have to pull ourselves together. Well, from one point of view, we have all these sources of irritations that we could easily point to, can't we, in our life. Whether it's that mosquito that continues to come back over and over again for our sweet blood, or that fly that can't have enough of our nice 
sweaty, salty skin. And they just don't give up, do they? They just keep on coming back for more and more. Or or maybe the source of our annoyance and irritability is that friend of ours that just talks and talks and never seems to make uh, a point. And he just carries on a conversation and you just want him to take a little pause and get to the point and because you've got places to go. So we could easily identify just so many different sources of stuff out there that we get annoyed and irritated by. That's not too difficult because um, there's so many of them. But when it comes to our internal experience, and more specifically when uh, it comes to our practice of meditation, it's a little more subtle in that uh, we're sitting there and we are supposed to be following this technique and present and to have this non-judgmental attitude to every experience that uh, that comes up. And then as, as we do that, uh, well, stuff comes up and uh, we uh, notice it and uh, and then we are, well, kind of fed up about it or we kind of wish it would, didn't uh, occur because it's disturbing our meditation. And, and then we go back to noticing the breath and trying to be present and, and then something else comes up. And uh, it's ir- irritating. It's, you know, wh- what the heck, man? Why am I doing this again? And uh, why am I thinking about this again? And uh, why am I having this this pain on my, my knees? And uh, damn, go back to breath and be there present. And, and then something else comes up. Maybe your dog starts barking trying to sit there and practice meditation and your dog's barking like my dog's barking right now and damn, why can't you just shut up? Should I go and tell him to shut up? Scooby, shut up, Scooby. Be quiet. You're interrupting my podcast. Stop irritating me. Or else I swear I'm going to go out there and kiss you, Scooby. Damn. Yep, he hates to be kissed. So there's (laughs) something that is simply mentioned right here that just says, look, just notice that that's what we do with ourselves. There are all these things that come up that just tend to bother the hell out of us and just wish that it wasn't the case. We wish something else was the case, right? The peacefulness of this meditation practice that we're supposed to be doing and this stuff is not supposed to be happening and the fact that it's happening is uh, well, we're just doing this all wrong. But uh, if I only try harder, maybe I can get better at this and all this stuff won't uh, won't be bothering me the way it's bothering me right now. <laughs> Alright, so that. Just being aware that that's precisely what we do to ourselves when uh, anything in our experience that comes up and we have, we have that approach, we have that attitude, we have that view with respect to our experiences, that needs to be 
um, well, properly accommodated. And uh, until we do that, well, then it's uh, very difficult to begin to, uh, how does that quote say? Before we work with anybody, yeah, anyone else, we have to deal with being a nuisance to ourselves exactly before we even are capable of working with anybody else this has to be accounted for and the way that we account for this is just to note very directly that this is what we do to ourselves now outside the practice of meditation it's very difficult to see that we do this to ourselves all the time but when we're meditating we we're sitting there uh, seeing that is easier for us. We sit there and uh, eventually, as we're following this technique, which asks of us to remain present, to not judge our experience, something will irritate us. And the sources of that are very, very many. What, do, what do we do? Well, we start commenting to ourselves on those irritations. All right, a fly passes by you and passes by you again and again, and all of a sudden you start developing some storyline about that fly, or else uh, some discomfort on your back, uh, and pretty soon, all right, that discomfort becomes some story about that discomfort. You're not really connecting or feeling the discomfort, you're commenting on that discomfort inside your mind, and that becomes Right, all of a sudden, the uh, engagement of what you're doing when you're sitting there. And uh, it, all of a sudden, it's viewed as, well, this is not supposed to be happening. This is interrupting my meditation. Well, it's not quite that way and quite like that. So let's take this a little further and see where this could lead, this kind of attitude. In life... We are continually confronting situations, and with this kind of perspective, and certain situations are going to be more suitable, more ideal for us, will bring us more uh, and better levels of satisfaction. And uh, we start, uh, well, uh, designing our whole life around the kind of experiences that we should, that we ought to be having. And that if we're not having those, well, then uh, the whole focus becomes what can we do in order to alter the kind of experiences that we're, we're having in life in order to maximize on, uh, well, how pleasurable, how enjoyable, how uh, satisfactory life is for us. Here's where the view that we bring into the practice of meditation becomes valuable. Uh, it becomes actually indispensable. And uh, by that view, I mean uh, the view that instructs us that no matter what our experience is, that we need to be aware that we are manipulative little bots, that we will figure out a way to right, alter, manipulate that experience because we're convinced that in doing so, it's going to maximize 
the probability of our survival, uh, uh, our survival uh, physically, and uh, our survival with respect to that sense, that solid sense of who and what we are. And this is something that is very much wired into us, right? Before, when we were out there and uh, hunter and gatherers or whatever, uh, I think that the way that this was uh, expressed was uh, we were very much wired to, uh, as soon as we came across something that uh, represented the right kind of food for us, that we knew that most likely we would not encounter this for days, and so we used to, well, <laughs> you know, consuming that as much as possible. We clung onto that, and we grasped onto that, and we consumed it uh, to the degree that right we could. And if something threatened us, well, when right, the response was to immediately destroy that, uh, kill it, and uh, so uh, immediately we just tend to do that as soon as we something is experienced at that very primal level there is some immediate response to that and usually the response to that is is this friend is this foe should i kill this should i eat this should i right uh, just simply ignore the shit out of it and this is what we do also with respect to what threatens or reinforces that sense of who I am as a person, as an ego, as a thing right, that uh, uh, is continuous, that is independent, that is uh, lasting. And if anything threaten, threatens that sense, well then, right, we instinctively respond in kind. Destroy it, kill it, right, adopt it, right, possess it, ignore it, doesn't serve me. And this view we take into practice of meditation so that when we experience some irritant, right, some source of uh, this is bothering me, instead of connecting to that, our response to that is, this is not me. This is, I don't want to be this. This is interrupting me. Huh? And uh, I just don't want to bother with this. And besides, it's interrupting this peaceful meditation that's supposed to be um, doing something good for me. And uh, it's not. So let's get rid of this. No, no, we don't do that. But here's the problem. How do you not do something that you're programmed to do? How do you, do, how do you not do something that you're wired to do? Well, that requires the cultivation of the steadiness of your meditation, of practice, the ability to just stay with mind, stay present, stay focused on a particular object for a given duration of time. And then gradually that muscle is built because... Uh, everything that's bombarding you is going to be pulling you away in a different direction. So to the degree that we're able to cultivate that, then we're able to pause and, and rest before we take off on a particular direction which we're so accustomed to that has to do with all that familiar territory that belongs to us having to do with 
is this me? Is this going to do something for me? Is this going to bring me more tranquility? Is this going to actually benefit me something somehow? Is this going to help me in some way? Or is this just going to be uh, something that uh, I can't deal with it right now? I shouldn't bother with it and I need to just push it away and, uh, you know, gotta get rid of it? Or uh, perhaps it's just too much, you know? As this attentiveness muscle becomes stronger as a result of uh, meditation practice, then I, I think that what begins to happen is that we begin to dwell more and more, we begin to hang out more and more in this territory of our experience that doesn't involve us doing that all the time, right? Stuff irritates us. Stuff is annoying us and it's interrupting the enlightenment of why we're doing this meditation practice to begin with. And Chogyam Trungpa is pointing us in a different direction. Now, it involves resting in a space that is not familiar to us, that is, uh, well, unknown territory. And it's unknown territory just simply because we're hanging out mostly somewhere else, right? In that other territory where every experience is gauged by uh, to what degree it's going to reinforce that sense of who and what we are or who and what we should be, especially, right, as a result of our meditation practice. Okay, so look, uh, that's my own two cents on this. That's my own comment on this excerpt. And this is what I personally think that Shogim Trumpa in this excerpt on uh, nuisance is attempting to communicate to us. And this is what I personally feel he means by us pulling ourselves together. So that when we do this, uh, then perhaps if others allow us to, we could be of help to them. This brings us to the end of the first episode, finally, of All Chogyam Trumpa, the unofficial official podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. I do hope you rate this podcast station and that you subscribe to it so that next time I, and I do intend to, produce another episode, you could be notified. Viva Chogyam Trumpa!